Hello everyone, I'm Hannah Lloyd. And I'm Charlotte Gilfillan. Welcome to our podcast, Women in Wellies. Each episode, we will be inviting a guest to share their stories, experiences and lessons of working and living in rural Scotland. We want to get to know the real women behind the wellies and share them with you, our listeners. So hello and welcome to episode six of Women in Wellies. And today we're joined by Margie Campbell of Safi Shampness. Margie, welcome. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very well indeed, thank you. Are you ready to get started? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's go for it. Margie, we always like to start off with learning a little bit more about our guests, who you are and what you do. So would you like to tell us? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a farmer's daughter turned accountant and tax advisor, um, born and bred Black Isler. And I suppose if I sum myself up in one sentence, it's I have a passion for talking. I love to talk about all sorts of things and uh, I tend to try and do that quite a lot. So I'm delighted to be here to do that today. Um, I'm a partner in Safleys, which is one of the larger UK accountancy firms. I'm based in Inverness and I do an awful lot of um, land estate work, a lot of farming work. Um, I always describe it. I deal with yows and cows and timber and turbines. And that pretty much sums up what crosses my desk. Um, I head up our renewables and I sit in our agribusiness and natural capital. So I do an awful lot in the rural sphere, though I'm not you know, on the farm anymore. Um, when you said this to me, I was a bit like, I feel a wee bit like a fraud because I don't tend to wear my wellies on a daily basis to my work. Um, I am sometimes, you know, suited in high heels and things, but um, yeah, very rurally based. So I'll put my fraudulent bit to one side a wee bit. So grew up on a farm on the Black Isle. What prompted you to get into tax, Margie? Well, um, it's a wee farm that we have. And when I was about 10 to 15 probably dad of a younger brother and dad was very much like there isn't a living here for probably either of you in truth the size of the farm in you know in the 80s and 90s we were probably having that conversation he's like you know 250 acres is not enough to make a living these days in a farm you need to go and get a proper job so um I had always intended to be a teacher and then I somehow accidentally decided I would become a lawyer and then I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. But by that time, I'd applied for law and I had a bit of a moment in school. And I said, well, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a lawyer. Now I want to be an accountant. They said, well, if you go and do a law degree, you can still be an accountant. If you do an accounts degree, you can't be a lawyer. So you're buying yourself another four years of thinking. I said, OK, that that makes sense. And um, second year law degree, I did a tax law course. And I said, oh, this just makes absolute sense. This is the bit that I like. Um, thus marking self as a nerd until the end of time. Um, but the tax law was really the bit I was like, yeah, this is absolutely this is this is me. Um, so I then started looking for an accounting traineeship, and so I I qualified then as an accountant. That's where I met my husband. Um, he's an accountant too, and um, then gradually over the years, you know, I was in accounts for a long time, and then moved into tax. And yeah, now I do a bit of both now, but uh, I headed up the tax team for a long time. So that was kind of my most recent specialist role, I guess. And at what stage did you join Safri's? I've been there, it will be six years this month, I think. So I'd been qualified for quite a long time. I was a director in another um, big firm and yeah, just felt I needed a change. I've been there about 13 years and I was like, if I don't go now, I'll not go. And actually, I need to go because this, you know, for me, there's there's a different challenge needed. And I had a brief um, sojourn somewhere else, which was too local, actually. As it turned out, I spent a lot of time you know, taking a drink with somebody on a Friday night and then explaining to them their tax bill on a Monday morning. And it was just it was too uncomfortable. It was ex-young farmers that I'd known all my days and it was just, it was too close to home. Um, so I was there about 18 months and then I came to Safaris and I've been there ever since. And I guess for me, I always say to people, the biggest regret I have in my life is I didn't do that 10 years before then. But then I probably wouldn't have been the Margie that you see now had I done that 10 years ago. So, but yeah, so that's where I am now. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. No, it's amazing how different roles help you grow as a, you know, personally and professionally. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you probably need to be in a role that doesn't suit you to work out what does suit you quite often if that makes any sense it's only by saying 
this is not acceptable or this is not me or this is really dull or this is too complicated. You say, well, these are the things I don't want to do. So what do I want to do? And where does that where does that lead you? Margie, one of the things I've always admired about you is that you make a topic like tax really interesting. And I think there's a there's a general perception that accountants and, and particularly if you're involved in tax could be quite boring and, and mind-numbing and all the rest. But in actual fact, what you do on a day-to-day basis is just so the opposite to that. I mean you travel you travel all over the place. You're not just sitting at a desk working on figures. Your you know your role is so much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I deliberately try and show that. Um my poor husband Every time I put something on LinkedIn, he's like, oh, I suppose I should like that. It's like, yes, you should. Yes, you should. And uh, you don't see the days when I'm at my desk with my fountain pen, you know, churning out computation because that there's bits of that as well. I don't use a fountain pen very often right now, but I write with one all the time in a very stereotypical style. Um, but what we do is really interesting. You have to get through the years of grind of, you know, you churn out tax turns, that's what you do. But at the end of the day, I have conversations with people all the time about how they move the family wealth, how they protect it, how they look after it, how they make sure the right person for that family has it and that everyone else is not disadvantaged. It's all about people. It's all about protecting things from the tax man, you know, paying your fair share, but not doing something that makes that worse. And yeah, for me, I am really, really passionate about the fact you occasionally speak to people and they regard going to their accountant, like going to their dentist. That's awful. That's absolutely desperate because you're paying that person to give you advice. And if regardless of whether it's us or someone else, if it's somebody that makes you feel belittled or smaller, that you can't ask the question or it's a stupid question, that's not a functional relationship with a professional you're paying to help you. So it's absolutely crucial that when you ask for advice, you get advice you understand and that is tailored to you and that you don't think, oh, that made no sense, but I'm just going to nod. That, that's hopeless. And if, and if your account's like that, frankly, they're doing it wrong. And I always say that to people, it's like, you know, if I leave you in a meeting where you don't understand what I've said, I've done it wrong because that's not the point. You're asking me what this means. I need to be able to tell you. And that's the skill set that we try and put into everyone in our team. You know, that's that's the deal. I mean, tax is such a fundamental part of every business and a lot of businesses are very personal. So it's about the people that you do business with. So you're quite right in that, you know, those people are putting a lot of trust in you, a lot of faith in you. Um, and it is, I mean, it's incredibly complicated. And to have somebody that you trust to be able to explain it, to be able to take you forward um, and to be able to plan in the way that you need to do, particularly as part of family businesses. It's really interesting. You, you'll never see, I hope, ever anything from me that lets you see who I'm dealing with or what I'm actually doing which makes the LinkedIn feed a bit tricky um but you know if I I would never ever sit at a farm gate and take a photo because somebody somewhere will work out where I am because I'm in the highlands so it's really important you know if I'm on the most beautiful farm on the earth you'll still never see a photo there because that's not right. That's a breach of confidentiality, potentially. And that's not appropriate. And people know who I deal with. And, you know, we have conversations, oh, I'm arguing the accountant. That's their thing to say. That's not my place to say that. Um, but I think it's, we have a lot of conversations where you have, you know, mum, dad, brother, sister, very stereotypically, and you're sitting in a room and I say, okay, so are we moving this to brother? And for one member of family, or, you know, for one family, that answer is, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense for the second family where you would say exactly the same circumstances, the answer is absolutely not. And what we found particularly in lockdown is you can't do the like of inheritance tax planning on Zoom very easily because what we're watching for is for me saying, now's time for you to retire dad and let son take over or daughter take over, whichever. And dad goes, yeah, 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 because he's desperate to stop actually and both of them are going yeah 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 but their faces are saying no 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 this is not what I want I want actually to go and work for the local garage I want to go and go to New Zealand I don't want tied to this or dad's saying no it's not time and they're saying yes it is you can't do that over zoom you don't get that vibe of 
the undercurrent of the family dynamic. Yeah, and succession is such a often a difficult conversation to have on farms anyway, to have that level of kind of sensitivity and awareness. Um, do you think that because you are farming background and and potentially have those conversations yourself at the start, that that helps you to engage with your clients? Yes, sometimes. Uh, sometimes I find I get somewhere and people say to me, oh, I know who you are. Sometimes that's a good thing. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Other times it absolutely isn't. Dad was a fossil inspector in this area back in the day for a long time. And uh, so there was a, a period of time where he inspected the yows and cows and then I came in and did the tax. That was uncomfortable for some people. And some people said, I don't want to deal with her. That's absolutely fine. You know, and over decades, it became apparent that I hadn't gone home and told dad that they were making heaps of money or no money or whatever it was, that at no point was that conversation ever had. And you earn that trust, I think. Um, but there is that I have I have one of my loveliest clients who I've dealt with now for 22 years and he knows dad fine. And you see them in the mark leaning on a gate and having a yarn and, you know, oh, the last was in. Aye, aye, that's fine. And uh, I went to see him one day about three or four years ago. He says, I know who you are. I should hope so. I've been in the kitchen off and on for the last 20 years. And he said to me, you're Jock Campbell's granddaughter-in-law. I looked up a wee moment. I was like, am I? Yes, because I didn't meet my father-in-law, never mind my grandfather-in-law. You know, I was like, am I? I said, like, yes, I am. When I moved from the West, from Argyle, Jock Campbell was awful good to me. He was the first man that took me to a Dalmali or wherever, you know, and it was that that level of farming connection. He was delighted because he had generational pedigree, you know, that way. And that was important to him. It's not important to some people, but for some people, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. Some people are like, I remember the day you were born. That's uncomfortable. If I'm now explaining your really technical tax stuff, that can be really tricky. And it takes a bit of, we might be years before we get to that conversation. So they're just like, nah, you're too young and possibly too female to understand these things sometimes. Other times, no, but it's a real mix. I'm sat here like nodding and uh, 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 nodding and, and smiling, but I'm just thinking we're back at people again already. <laughs> we're only, you know, <laughs> five minutes in and this podcast always comes back um, to people. But Margie, I think um, you have already touched on some of this in, in what you've said, but can you tell us about some of the things that, that inspire you in your in your job and to do to do what you do yeah I mean we, we started I guess with the the one thing that I regard as the kind of absolute fundamental in that accountancy shouldn't be scary mystifying we should be approachable that that for me is the absolute core of what runs through everything I do um I am very conscious much less so now actually but when I first started out I felt very conscious as a female in quite a male world of rural landed estates old boys network of accountants that all golf together all that kind of stuff that you had to prove yourself maybe just that little bit harder and a little bit more looking back I think that was probably only in my own head I don't think that was the reality but that was the perception that I had so I worked that little bit harder and I worked that little bit smarter and I pushed myself that little bit harder and I held myself to probably a higher standard than others expected because I was trying to prove myself and I spent a long time yeah working that through I guess for want of a less management speaky kind of you know, I, th I think that was that was quite tricky for me. What's really interesting now is that I think accounting is a really different profession than it was when I started in <clears throat> 1999, which ages me quite badly. Some of the team in the office weren't born then. That makes me feel very sad. Um, but when I started in 1999, you didn't have female partners in accountancy firms. It just wasn't really a thing. And when I look now at Safri's, there are five of us as partners in Inverness. There are four women and one bloke, poor call. Um, and what's interesting is I said that I said that one day in a meeting and everybody looked at me and kind of went, oh yeah, you're quite right, because it was absolutely irrelevant. And that is exactly how it should be. It's exactly how it should be, that it doesn't matter. But it's really interesting. And, and it's not just Safaris and Inverness. When you look at, we work in the Northern region and I always smile because our Northern region is Inverness, Edinburgh, 
Harrogate and Manchester, which I struggle with as a North concept. But anyway, it's, it's more North than London. So, uh, <laughs> but that's our Northern region. But when you look at it, there's 21 of us in the partner group and it's 10 and 11 blokes and women. And again, I said that and I slightly, wow. And everybody looked at me like I had horns growing out of my head. So why would you even count? And that's a fabulous thing. And that, that for me is really encouraging. Um, so, so that for and you're me, saying I, I count, I count because I'm an accountant. That's, that's it. I was like, <laughs> no, we all, all count. I like numbers. I measure stuff with numbers. That's what I do. How many steps <laughs> have you done? How many calories have you eaten? How many cups of coffee? You know, I measured everything. So I was like, let's count. <laughs> it's exactly that, exactly yeah. that. But, but it's an interesting thing. So I think there's for me, it's really important. This sounds terribly worthy. It's really important to be a role model where you say, actually, I'm a partner. I have, you know, primary school child. I do leave the office at five o'clock every single day to do the school run. I get fined quite often because I leave at 20 past five and a half time I'm late for after school. But, you know, that way I do the school run. That's non-negotiable. If you want a meeting in there, you need to explain why it's so crucial, because that time is in my diary every single day and that is what I do and it's important to give people not even permission because that implies I have power over that which I absolutely don't but you know it's important to that's how it should be we all work to provide for our families at the end of the day we might also absolutely love what we do but it's not a hobby that's how we make our living so you know that's to provide for the family you have to be able to actually also see your family you have to be able to go to the school play you have to be able to say not today the wee one's not well that's vital it is something that we do it is something that we fight really hard to make sure that we do and that to me is really important because we want everyone to work what suits them you know we have so many part-time people that's how it should be work there is it work around your family fine if we you know if we need two people to do a role instead of one fine it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i'm sat here thinking you know margie you're one of those those women i look up to in the rural I count you as in the rural sector because your your clients are in that space and and all those things. But you know, you're a partner in a in an accountancy firm. You are part of that changing the tide of leadership in in professional services, which I think is such a important thing that's happened. And some of it has happened just you know probably without people really noticing. But I know that there'll be loads of women in in Safaris and probably in other accountancy firms looking up to you thinking that's what I want to do I want to be like Margie <laughs> and so so I think that's um it's a really um it's a really cool position to be in that you've that you you are and that Safaris have such a strong female presence in your in your partnership I think that's I didn't know those didn't know those numbers it's not something I've I've looked at but it's really it's really great to see that kind of balance at the top I mean the culture in Safaris fascinates me because it is you know from an outsider looking in it appears to be incredibly supportive, really supportive of new ideas, new approaches, um, really supportive of encouraging the next generation, which is something that is hugely important as part of this podcast and what Hannah and I are trying to do. Um, so the culture just seems to be, you know, fantastic. What a fantastic thing to be part of. That's the loveliest thing I've heard. Did you know that? Because that that's how I feel about it and that's what we try and do and if that's what you see that's hugely reassuring because you're always I think we're probably all quite hard on ourselves you always remember the days that you've screwed that up and you've accidentally said to somebody I don't care where you are where's my accounts they've gone my wee one's not well and you're like oh dear you know and those are the bits I think you remember because it's easier to beat yourself up about that um so it it's good that that's what other people see. It's it's important. That's what we. It's the most important thing. I I always smile myself because I say the same thing at the start of most interviews. I was like, "This is really a chat because actually, if we don't like you, you don't get to play." And that's not quite how I phrase it, but that's what I mean. It's like we, you know, the culture. You can destroy that in a heartbeat. So. If we're like, you're really technically sound and you're going to be really awkward to work with, that's not good enough. We can teach the technical stuff. We can't teach people to be a nice person, to be a decent person. That's absolutely, for me, it's absolutely key in everything we do. You behave as you would want people to treat you. 
and always, always. I suppose for me, the other thing that's really important is we look round the highlands, we look round all the rural areas, and we see sometimes a lack of housing, we see sometimes a lack of opportunity. And what we want is people to stay here and to have a really good job, whether that's as a dairy farmer, a beekeeper, an accountant, a lawyer, a land agent. It, it doesn't matter, but we need our people that, you know, want to be here to have something that's fulfilling and lucrative for want of a less accountancy. You know, it's like, must make money. But, you know, you've got to be able to survive here. And I think... I mean, we have a lot of remote workers. We've got people that work in the islands that work directly for us in Inverness. We've got people that are in the central belt that work directly for us in Inverness. It doesn't matter where you are. And I think that's a huge shift after COVID, I think, too, because we probably wouldn't have had that four or five years ago. But there's no reason that you have to work nine to five, Monday to Friday, in a wee suit with a pair of heels in an office in Inverness. Those days are gone. You know, you could be working on the family farm for us three days a week and milking the cows other days. You can, you know, you can be doing that. You can be working around your family. But we need our rural communities to have decent, sustainable futures. And that comes with good jobs. And my role is to provide them for our staff where we can and to help our clients, you know, survive and grow to provide them in the areas that we want to work in. That's really important. It's really important. Margie, are there any particular experiences that you've had that you would like to share? I think for me, the one thing over my professional life so far is I probably look like everything's absolutely wonderful. Everything's totally under control. I have terrific self-doubt. I think it's much more common than we all think. If when I speak to you, I go, oh yeah, I have that too. I don't think any of us are very good at saying that out loud. Um, and I sometimes look at, you know, my LinkedIn feed and my Facebook feed and I'm just like, hmm. I almost don't recognise that version of Margie because it's, oh yes, I was out and around and I did this, that, the next thing. You don't see the day when you're like, they're going to find me out today and they're going to realise that I'm rubbish at what I do. And actually, all I do is wander around and talk. And, you know, there's all of that self-doubt in there, I think. I think it's something that there's a danger of talking about it too much and making everyone doubt themselves when they didn't before as well, I think. But there, there's a, that's been a huge, huge part of my professional life. Um, at one stage, I was in a job where they basically said to me, you're not good enough. And I believed that for a really long time rather than going, Wait on a minute, actually. You know, and that took mm, years to sort. And it's not sorted yet, probably, because there was always that self-doubt anyway, and it just fed into it. And it's the usual, I think you have, you hear the bits you want to hear, and you reflect back on the bits that are already echoing in your own head. So like, I'm not very good at this. And somebody says, no, you're not. And you're like, you're right, I'm not, I'm not. I'm terribly bad at this. Um, you know, I've been a partner for two years now. I still feel like a complete fraud some days. Other days I'm like, no, I'm to totally on this. They're the dangerous days. Um, you know, but but it, it it's a really difficult thing. And it's it's interesting to me how many times I say to somebody, I'm not very confident, and they say, Oh, but you look so confident, and I almost feel a little bit disloyal in a weird sort of way in that I'm showing people something I'm not and then I'm making them think oh my goodness you know Margie runs up and down to London and she's there at the school gate and she's baking the Christmas cake and she's at the PTA and she's the treasurer of this and and she is but someday she's driving herself crazy trying to do that and it's with a strange guilt complex of you must be able to do these things you have to be the best partner the best mother the the wifey that wins i'm a hugely competitive cross stitcher just to confess that like beyond all reasonable um and i take really quite ugly pride in being good at that and uh, so, you know, I, I have these conversations in my head where I think I'm really, really busy. And the ladies in my WI group, because obviously I am a member of it and I am the treasurer because that's the rule. Um, I say, they say things like, 
could you cross stitch a handbag? And I find myself going, yes, of course. And then they go like, what has happened here? And how has this become a thing? And I do that to try sometimes and prove that I'm worthy. You're like, what is the crack with that? That is madness. That is madness. But I think we're all guilty of it now and again. You're like, I need to do the, I need to do the school run right so that people know that I'm not shirking. I need to, for a long time, I didn't tell anyone that I had a cleaner because I was ashamed. I was like, how middle class and fancy Dan are you? You know, I was like, get yourself real. You grew up on a farm. How dare you have a cleaner? I was like, you're never in your house. You are not the cleaner. It's pretty clear you're not the cleaner. So if there's not a cleaner, this is not good for anyone that comes in. And it's coming to terms with that, that you you mustn't think you can do everything well. I'm terrible for that. Terrible for that. I 100% relate to so much what you just um, said, Margie. And I think when you've got a presence online, be that in a personal capacity, in a professional capacity, people think that's the whole you. And actually it's it's very much not you know I've had periods on Instagram where I or LinkedIn where I've just gone really quiet and it's like I just don't have the capacity to come up with something to say I'm too busy doubting my own ability doubting that anybody actually wants to read what I've got to say anyway you know on I was at dinner on Friday and um didn't post photos on Friday night because I was like who am I to post a picture in my sparkly dress (laughs) and then I've posted it this morning being like ah I just need to post this otherwise the dinner's going to be old news and I'm like actually I've had great feedback and everyone you know and I got loads of compliments on the night but you know you're like who am I to post myself in my sparkly dress on on LinkedIn and and you question so much and like you I take on way more things and say yes to way more things than I should probably do but that's also part of the things that I think for me bring me satisfaction but the confidence thing is is really interesting on the rural leadership program in Dundee we were doing this exercise on design thinking and I put myself in the group on you know confidence and building confidence and you could see some people in the room were like what's she doing but actually it's that the struggle is you know the struggle is real whether you you know if you've experienced a lack of confidence once you'll experience it over and over again whether you present in that way or or you don't and you you know and you you do you know, put on your big girl pants or whatever you want to call them and uh, you know just get on with it sometimes and it was not it's not easy absolutely true hannah it was a very nice sparkly dress i saw it in my linkedin feed this morning um but <laughs> but but i think there's a bit of that too i judge myself massively and you said the word should there that is I do things because I think I should or because I think I should not and I judge myself before I've even sent something out on LinkedIn or or said it in the office or I second guess all of these things all the time I can put myself into a wee spiral for moons and I need a bit of a talking down usually husband's the one for that because he is absolutely blunt and sometimes that's what's needed. Sometimes it's not. Um, but usually he's just like, behave. You're like, okay, right, that that's fine. Um, but I think it's, I try now, you know, it's like, oh, I doubted this. It's like, well, why would you not say that as well? And then that feels self-indulgent. So then you doubt that you've done that and that's done. And I, I, I had a moment one day, I went into an event and it was in, where was it? I think it was in London. And the first person I saw who I know really well and have a huge amount of time for, he said, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Your LinkedIn feed didn't tell me you were coming. And I was just like, oh. And I spent the whole event going, I'm not sure did he mean you failed because this is not on LinkedIn or you're driving me crazy with your nonsense on LinkedIn or why do you not do any work and sit at your desk? And what he actually meant was, I didn't see you on LinkedIn. Full stop. No more, no more context than that. But I can make that into a ginormous thing in my head without even trying, and that's, yeah, that's a, a, that's my biggest challenge, and it always has been. It's a lot better now than it was, but that's not my doing. I mean, I, I work with a coach. He has been brilliant with that. Bless him. He's a very tolerant man sometimes um for a long time the most common phrase in my head was 
saw duly or variants thereof um and you know because he challenged a lot of my thinking and still does which is helping me to challenge it um but yeah yeah it's it's that it's that whole imposter syndrome you feel like you know you're going to be found out at some point you know just keep going until somebody figures it out for you um the most difficult challenge i've ever had possibly one day he said to me right homework for you i want it typed two sides of a4 not font 45 you know he's like you know it needs to be um and the homework was why i deserve to be a partner and why i'm damn good at it and i couldn't do it i couldn't do it and i spent all week just going i can't do this and it was really really stupidly difficult to do i said wow and then i i I read it back now and again. I read it back this morning to remind myself that I should be talking to you and I'm not a complete fraud, obviously. Um, And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I would imagine that if he had asked you to do the same for any of the other partners that you work with in Safri's, you would have been able to do it without any problem whatsoever. Absolutely. You could have had pages and pages and pages and pages. And make no mistake, you would have had both their good points and their bad points because we're what I love about my fellow partners as we're absolutely frank we know each other really i mean there are but we're in business together we're not you know we're not brothers and sisters we don't know each other inside out but but we know each other really well and you can say i'm gonna have to do that because you're not good at conflict and somebody goes yeah no you're right that's not my that's not my thing you're better at that than me go you and do it and i have been places in the past where if you showed a sniff of weakness it was like ah there it is, that's fine, we'll use that. Um, whereas that's not that's not how we behave. It's like, okay, well, if that's not your strength, then that is my strength, and so I'll do that bit, and you do this bit, and I'm terrible at whatever, so you take that. I'm not detail-focused, as you could possibly tell. So that's not, you know, if you want somebody to pick through a spreadsheet for two weeks, I'll do it, but I won't enjoy it. And I wouldn't be as good at it as somebody else. So I don't do that. And someone else does that. And I think that, but you're right. I could tell you all the good points about all of them because they're all brilliant. Yeah. But I think we can also sit here and say that the hardest episode we recorded was the first one where we had to talk about ourselves. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we know how uncomfortable it is to be in your seat, Margie, today because... <laughs> We did it to ourselves. And, and it's, a, no, it's, a, it's not easy. It is a funny thing, though, because, as I said at the start, I love to talk. I love to talk. And so, you know, the idea, and I said to Andrew, I'm going to wait for you to record a podcast. And he's like, oh, well, I'll see you about half past four. And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, because he's just, he knows fine. But I'd be like, and, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. You know, it, it, but... Yeah, but then there comes a point to, I think, I mean, we, we go down to a tax conference every year where we take the whole tax team down. Very exciting couple of days. There's a lot of socialising involved in this because it's important that the team know each other really well. And it's kind of like the Highland Show for Accountants um, with less wellies. And it's um, one of these things. I go there and I always say to the Inverness crew, with no disrespect, I have no intention of speaking to you for the next couple of days because I'm going to go and speak to people that I don't speak to all the time. And I spend two days going, you know, and I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk. And we get to the airport and they're like, where are we going for our supper? I was like, I don't know where you're going, but I am going to sit in the dark by myself because I am done and I am empty and I have no interest in chat with anyone else now. I am done. I am out. Because I'm more introverted than... I show you probably. So there needs to be that bit as well. The team have kind of got used to that, I hope now. For a while, I think they thought I was really rude and I was like, actually, I'm past caring because I can't string a sentence together and I'm out. Yeah, that time to recharge, though, like I need that so badly. And, you know, loads of people are like to me, oh, you know, you're always here, there and everywhere and, you know, out and about and speaking to people. And, and you know, you're the same, Margie. That's what people see on LinkedIn. They see you going to London. They see you going out and about. They see you getting in your car early in the morning or, or whatever. And but actually, it's the, the quiet time at home or walking on the beach or, you know, doing any of the things that really matter to you. Cross stitching, flower arranging for the competition at the Black Isle show or any of those, any of those things that you do quietly on your own that are actually some of the most 
valuable time and if I I know personally if I didn't have that time I couldn't do the rest of the you know I couldn't I wouldn't show up in the same way for the rest of the time that's absolutely true occasionally occasionally the team say to me you haven't been cross-stitching have you it's like no I haven't they're like we can tell that's all right okay (laughs) bless them uh you know and and it's that level of yeah you're you've got that Mm, we've a wonderful tax assistant in the office and you know she gets on with the work she's very little and she catches me now and again in the couch she says are you all right you're a bit twirly and I'm like okay that tells me that the stress levels are just you know that way there's like yeah if you're calling me out then I'm... um Mark, yeah, i think you've got a, a little bit of experience with um possibly family and friends and dealing with some mental health issues i think probably that is true of a lot of us and i think it's something that 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't even say out loud. Um, I mean, I think our circle of friends had its fair share of that in different combinations and different parts of life. There's been, you know, every family, every friend group has dark days and difficulties. Um, and I've seen, you know, firsthand and furtherhand, so many families hide these sorts of things because there's a bit of shame or misunderstanding and I think particularly in the farming in the rural communities like must be big must be strong must go and feed my sheep must busy 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 and I think that's really I think I was gonna say dangerous I think it probably is dangerous I think it's a real shame um I'm 45 I think there's a massive sea change in that in my lifetime but we're still a wee bit afraid to show a bit of weakness it comes back to the I think I'm a fraud at work as well It's, it's all of that public perception I think there's some brilliant work going on with you know all the different agri groups whether that's farm strong whether that's the keep talking campaign um I have a friend who set up a support group after his son took his own life and you know all of these things I think it's really important that we speak about it um and I think yeah for me I I was trying to think about it and somebody said to me oh, but you've never had anything like that. And I was like, well, probably not yet, but you never like to count your chickens because you never know if that actually, is there going to be a point where there's too much across your plate and you're like, enough today, actually. I'm, you know, I'm struggling. And I think it's really important to say, I am struggling and I am, I need a bit of help. And what, I think what we're an awful lot better at, both as an industry and the the rural industry and accounts industry, whatever industry it is, I think we're an awful lot better now at just saying, oh, actually, that is a bit of a cry for help. And let's not just go, oh, dearie me, anyway, about the fence over there. You know, I I think we're much better at that. But I suppose I, I like to say it out loud more often now than I did you know I I remember a friend at uni where you were just like oh bad things are happening there and we all went oh dear bad things are happening there don't know what to do and that's not good enough actually um quite a few regrets there I guess um and over our lifetimes that's become easier but it's never an easy conversation and I think it's really really important that we all accept that you know, it's not a switch of I am feeling good, I am feeling bad. There's degrees of that. And some days it is, you know, the pencil snapping that is the final thing that just is too much that day for no particular reason. For no particular reason. Years ago, I remember, it was not long after I started at Safaris and I had volunteered for far too many things just to prove that they should have employed me. And it was absolutely marvellous. And I was in London every fortnight from May until October. I got on the red eye every single time. And Peter would have been about six at that point. So he was in short days in school. And it was an absolute carry on. But I was like, oh, yes, I can do that. Yes, busy, new, busy, that's fine. And um, I went in to see my then boss one day. And we were going down on the Thursday to the tax car. It must be the manager's conference because it was October. But we were going down to a big conference on the Thursday. And I came in on the Tuesday morning and she said something like, could you pass me that file? And I said, no. And if you think I'm getting on that red eye flight on Thursday morning, you have another thing coming. I am done and I am not. And I stomped off. And as I was doing that, I was like, oh, dear. And I locked myself in the loo for about half an hour going, you absolute muppet. 
It's just like, oh, what? It's like, that's it. Now she knows you're a stroppy bism. You'll be, you know, you'll have your jotters. You're, you're away. And I came back to my desk and in my inbox was a flight the night before and a hotel room in the space of about 20 minutes. And you're that way that I was like, oh, you've pushed that so far. That's not true. We've never spoken about that for years. And I said it to her one day, she didn't remember. Because she was like, well, that's what we need to do. That's what we did. I spent years throwing stones at myself for being unable to cope with pressure. <laughs> and it's that you don't know, you know, can I have a file? No, and I'm going to throw a strop. It's like, you know, but it, but it's not, it, it's that final thing. And I think it's just watching, you know, when my team say to me, you're twirling, you're like, ah, yes, yes. And we try and call it out and try and look after each other. It's like one of the partners was great at, you know, does a wee floor walk. And when I was still in the tax team, I would get a wee ping maybe later on and say, is so-and-so all right? And I would say, yeah, I think so. And she'd go, okay, well, they won't talk to me because they're very junior and I'm the partner, but I don't think they are. Go and check again. And it's just having that eyes on everybody and just being careful and slightly mindful that while you might think it's a perfectly reasonable question, it might land the wrong way. I think that's a really interesting challenge. Now we work more dispersed as well. The virtual world is much harder. You can't just eyeball somebody whenever you think mm, they're not quite okay, but you can't quite pinpoint what it is. Whereas if I can go and look you in the eyes, I can probably identify what's wrong. But actually that is a big challenge. And you're right, we're better at talking about mental health and and it has been hugely destigmatized and lots of people have done things like mental health first aid training and all of those things. But I think we are in that, difficult place and I think as people start to return to the office you can forget about those people in your remote world and and it is going to be a big challenge over the next few years to keep that you know are you okay question being asked and looking out for each other when we're virtual as well as when we're in person. Definitely Hannah I mean I'm I'm our well-being partner in Inverness and Safaris and you know we have we have a team of a partner and a champion we love we love a buzzy phrase so we must have a champion it's very important um, but you know we we have regular like drop-in sessions with a, a kind of coach last who you know everything from you know your own personal impact to what about imposter syndrome mindfulness how are you coping work-life balance all these kind of things we do various things but that's not enough and when we first went into lockdown there were three of us manning or managing the tax team and we were really worried about them and we're like we absolutely need to make sure that everybody is spoken to every single day and we had a very weird rota where it wasn't that I spoke to Hannah on Monday and Charlotte on Tuesday but we made dashed sure that every single member of that team was spoken to twice every single day. And I've said to them since, I was like, did you realise we had a rota do that? And they were like, no. And I was like, good, that's how that should have been. But that's what we did because we were, you know, it was it was so unknown what was going on. We, You know, and we didn't know where people, good, bad and different. Some folk were clearly having a very nice time. Some folk were clearly having an awful time. It wasn't necessarily the folk you thought. It wasn't necessarily the same answer every day. And now you're right. It's too easy to do that with the folk in the office and forget there are still people at home. That's that's really and it's it's really important. And if there's one thing that we need to get right, that's it. The people feel they can come and talk to us. Yeah. And you're not it's not even like it's not even like you're saying you need to speak to everybody for an hour every day. You're saying, you know, it's a two minute phone call. It's a is everything all right? How how are you getting on? You know, what's happened in your lockdown world today? Where have you been for your walk? You know, it's a two or three minute phone call you know, it's not it's not hours of time it's just it's just being there and checking in on that friend that you've not heard from or that colleague that you've not heard from and making sure that people are okay definitely and the one thing lee my coach has taught me is the power of silence i struggle with silence i love to fill it with my own voice but um it's that you ask the question and they answer it and you say nothing and then you get the truth and that works for our clients when I'm saying, what would you like to do with the farm? And they say, oh, yes, it goes to my son. And I say nothing. And then they go, but on balance, should it? And it works for the team when you say, how are you today? And they go, yeah, fine. And you say nothing. And they go, but I am struggling a wee bit with whatever. And 
truthfully, that's one of my biggest challenges is being silent for a bit and letting people speak. When you ask somebody, how are you? The stock response, especially from a busy person, is I'm fine. And then they go, oh, that, that's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine that you're fine. But actually, that person's probably not fine. And yeah, having that space to then be able to expand on that and to say what's going on with them and how they're feeling. and But also knowing that that is a safe space for them to share that. That is fundamental to it because... There are people that you will speak to about how you're feeling in a professional context and a personal context. And there are people that you won't. And it's identifying who that person is, is, is comfortable speaking to, sharing those things, which are often, you know, deeply personal um, and doing it in a safe space. So doing it in a way that they can express themselves and they can be honest about how they're feeling. Yeah. And I think, too, it's not a one conversation and done it's it's a long term morphing chat because some days are you know some days it's like yeah everything is fine and some days it's like oh no I feel a bit under the weather today and actually having said that I feel a bit better and I think sometimes we have a fear almost that we say how are you and folks say not great and you're accidentally talking them further down rather than further up but it's never the wrong thing to talk about it ever ever and it all comes back to what we were saying before which is about trust and creating relationships of trust with your team with with whoever you know and that's what allows people to then talk safely about if they're facing challenges or or but also to celebrate their own successes you know like on the positive you know you need to trust people if you want to celebrate your success with them as well so i think it is it's both sides of that um but it all comes back to trust one thing we did at the start of lockdown. It was actually planned before lockdown, but we did a, a thing which we called This Is Me and we asked the team to share a mental health battle that they'd had. And at that point, I was coordinating taking it in and we got six stories in Inverness. And none of those people knew if anyone else was sharing anything or if they were on their own. And it was... I can still picture myself, I got one of them and I literally, I was reading it in floods of tears at my desk, you know, and I was like, oof, really? Wow. And there were six, as I said, which was, I think, one in six of our staff at the time shared something. And I was like, well, you know, if you look at the stats, it's you know, one in three, half of them were brave enough to say it, but there, there must be at least another six stories where folk are not yet comfortable to say that and that for me was massive and what was really interesting was it was at every level of the firm at every level through the offices and you know partners the the whole bit and it, and that was really powerful actually um you know we had partners talking about their depression we had partner you know it was it was really powerful i think it's helped the team because it's like, well, they're not perfect either. I think on a professional level, there is a huge amount of fear in sharing something as personal as mental health issues. And you are worried that you're going to be judged, that your colleagues are going to see you differently, that your clients are going to see you differently. It's almost that, you know, are you enough? Do they see you as damaged? Do they see you as this kind of safe pair of hands to be able to do the work that you've been engaged to do, particularly from a client perspective? And there is just this massive amount of fear in sharing that. And although there has been so much work to, to destigmatize it, you know, for somebody who for somebody who likes to keep personal and, and professional very separate. How do you then get that balance between the two? And I think that's a really big challenge in itself. I do think we're better at it. I think we've an awful long way to go. And I think those of us that are willing to share it need to do it too much, if anything. You know, that way it's like you need to really go for it. Absolutely go for it. And that feels an interesting thing to say to you just now because you know I, I sent you a wee note and I said there's certain stories here that I won't tell you because they're not mine to tell and they're not mine to tell 
but that doesn't mean they didn't affect the family and the circle of friends and all of these things. But there's that reticence. I think you're like if it, you know if it was my story, I would tell it. But it's not my story, and it's. I think we imagine it to be shameful when in fact it's just part of the round of being a person. And I, I, we described it once in the office. We're like, you know, what we really want is, you know, somebody phones in and says, my leg is broken. Somebody phones in and says, today my brain is broken. It's the same thing. It's a part of your body that's not playing the game that particular day. It should be no blooming different. And it absolutely is, you know, and we judge that. Much more. If somebody's break, broken their leg, I don't think. Oh, they're so weak. Goodness sake, you know. But I think there there is that concern, and actually, in the long run, it makes you a stronger, braver person. So probably a better advisor because there's no way that you're speaking to people all the time that haven't had a similar moment in their lives whether that was 25 years ago and it was their granda whether that was you know seven weeks ago and they had a total hissy fit over a file you know somebody at some point has had that moment and you saying it's a terrible phrase me too because that's a total different thing uh, but you know that way it's, it, it's, it's that way of saying actually it's okay you know it, 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 you know that was a bad day this is a good day this is the day that i drove into a track this is the day that I got something right. This is the day that I got something wrong. It's it's all part of life. At the end of each episode, we like to ask our guests what would be their one piece of advice for the next generation of rural women in Scotland. What would be yours? I think for me, it's you are enough as you are. And if people don't feel that you are enough as you are where you are, you're in the wrong place. Love that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Margie, and so openly sharing your stories, experiences and lessons. Thanks very much. It's been great fun. It's been really good. I've enjoyed it. If you want to connect with Margie, uh, you'll find all her details in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram at Women and Wellies Podcast to stay up to date with all the latest news. And you can email us with any questions on womeninwelliespodcast at gmail.com and we'd love it if you could leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time.